Well, this morning we will begin a new series of messages, as we promised last week, in the life of, of Moses. And if you will pray for me, and I will pray for us as we go into God's Word this morning to see what the Lord has for us indeed. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for um, your mercy to us, your grace, your power, your strength your love. We thank you for all that you give us and all that you do for us. We thank you, Lord, that um, we, your people, are gathered here in this place and can be reminded uh, through our brothers and through our brother and sister, Lord, that you are a God who is mighty to save, that you are a God who speaks, that you are a God who delivers, that you are a God who, who guides, that you are a God who sends that you are a God who sustains, that you are a God whose promises never fail. We thank you this morning. We do pray that you, God, would be in our midst by your spirit, opening our eyes again and open our ears and opening our hearts that we would once again behold the glories of Christ and from your word. We, your people, would be changed a greater sense of who you are, a greater sense of what you're calling us to do, a greater sense of our dependence upon you. And we thank you, and we honor you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Life of Moses. Our series on the life of Moses will be um, called A Prophet priest, and king. Life of Moses, prophet, priest, and king. You know, in America, we, we love exceptionalism. In other words, we think we're the best. We think we're the greatest, and because we think we are the best, we think we are the greatest, and then um, being good is not good enough. We got to be the best. And because we got to be the best, what we often do, oftentimes, is we seek to identify who is the best. And we seek to identify who is the greatest. And we love to engage in these kind of um, frivolous arguments, especially the men around here. Love to engage in these type of debates of who is the greatest, who is the greatest basketball player of all time, who is the greatest president, who is the greatest rapper, who is the greatest musician, who is the greatest preacher. And such arguments, I am convinced, and you should be too, are really superfluous. They're really futile and, and, and mostly of no profit. They are nothing more than really arguments for argument's sake. Who is the greatest of anything is mostly subjective. Now, I say that, but if you want to know the answer to any of those questions, you can come up to me afterwards, and I will inform you. But still, but, but still, most of it is subjective, um, and that is until God speaks. 
only when God tells you who's the greatest can you confidently say who really is the greatest. And believe it or not, beloved, God does say in the scriptures, answers one of those exceptional questions for us at who is the greatest of the prophets. Deuteronomy chapter 34, beginning in verse 10 through 12, the Bible says, there has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The Lord sent him to perform all the miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land. There's never been another president like Lincoln. There's never been another singer like Sam Cooke. And there has never been another quarterback like Tom Brady. Maybe. I don't know. But when God says there has never been another prophet like Moses, then you can hang your hat on that one. You can take that one to the bank. The arguments have begun to cease and dissent. Moses. Moses. Moses is held out as the greatest of the prophets as David towers over the kings of Israel. So Moses stands out among the prophets. Moses. Just his name conjures up all types of images. Dare I say, you can barely walk in on the street today and mention the name Moses and not have people conjure up some type of image of what they have heard, of what they have seen concerning the man Moses. His name and, and figure is the most prominent in the Old Testament. The name it itself and power and prominence stands out in all the scriptures only, only exceeded by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Except for Jesus, there is no life in the scriptures that was full of more drama and more suspense and more miraculous power and more of the Lord's glory than Moses. And we know this. We, we know the epic nature of the life of Moses because of the way he has been depicted in film. But the grand epic Ten Commandments by Cecil B. DeMille or the award-winning animation The Prince of Egypt. The story of Moses is told over and over and over again. Abraham is called the 
father of Israel, and, and well, he is. And beloved, it was under Moses that they became a nation. That they became what the Bible refers to as the people of God. And therefore, the nation of Israel considered Moses its greatest leader. It was Moses that God had ordained to lead them, to lead his people out of bondage, out of their greatest oppression, and establish them as one nation under God. Because Moses is pictured in the scriptures as the one who leads God's people out of bondage, who leads God's people out of oppression, establishes them as one people under God and establishes their worship of of God and leads them to the promised land. In this sense, Moses, therefore, is a type of Christ. And over and over again in the life of Moses, he is pointing beyond him, him, himself, both in, both in word and in deed, pointing beyond himself to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. For you see this again and again. For like Christ, Moses was a prophet. Like Christ, Moses was a priest. And like Christ, Moses was a king. The threefold offices that our Lord holds on our behalf and for our good and, and for the glory of God, these threefold offices of prophet, priest, and king are manifested in the life of Moses, as we shall see over and over again. For like Christ, as a prophet, he listened to God's plan. And as a priest like Christ, he loved God's people. And as a king like Christ, he led through God's power. Well, that's what we'll see this morning. If you will bear with me this morning, Moses the prophet who listened to God's plan, Moses the priest who loved God's people, Moses the king who led through God's power, Moses the prophet. He's a prophet because he listened. He listened to God. He listened to the plan of God. He listened to what God said, and he said what God said said. God called and ordained Moses to speak, to speak on his behalf, to speak on his behalf to the people, to speak on his behalf to Pharaoh, to speak a word of deliverance for his people. And this is what he says right in Exodus chapter 7, verse 2. He tells Moses, God tells Moses, you shall speak all that I command you. This is what a prophet does. This is what a faithful prophet does. This is, a, this is what a prophet called of God is to do. He is to speak, not his own words, but he is to speak as God commands him to speak. And thus, when this prophet spoke, he was to speak and say, thus says the Lord. He was to be the vox day, the very voice of God to the people. 
And this was Moses. This was Moses. No one, no man or woman in all the Bible had conversations with God like Moses. This is absolutely amazing. I would encourage you to just go back and read the account of Moses' life, and you will be amazed at how many times the Bible says, then the Lord said to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses. And the Lord said to Moses. It says it so many times, I lost track. And I just stopped, and I paused for a moment and began to realize what the Bible means when it says, There was no one like Moses, for the Lord says he knew him face to face. The Lord had conversations with this man. I want you to think about that for a moment. Because Moses was God's mouthpiece. This is what God called him to be. His mouthpiece. And the Lord promised in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 12, right? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth. The Lord says that he would be in the mouth of Moses. And as such, God sent Moses to speak to the people, those in captivity, those in bondage, a word of freedom. And therefore, he, God, sent him also to speak to to Pharaoh, telling Pharaoh to let God's people go. A message of release. And this, we all know the story of how he goes to Pharaoh, and we will see in the coming weeks on all that the Lord does through Moses in order to relieve and release his people from bondage. But what I want us to see this morning is to what extent was Moses a prophet of God? And how God, how God saw Moses. This is absolutely amazing, beloved. Because as the prophet, and as the one called of God to speak to God's people, God intended his people to listen to Moses. In fact, if you were going to listen to God, you had to listen to Moses. If you were going to hear God, You had to hear Moses. In Numbers chapter 12, when Aaron, Moses' brother, and Miriam, his sister, challenged Moses. When they challenged Moses' authority because they look around and say, why is it that God is only speaking to Moses? Why can't we be prophets? Why can't we speak? Why can't others speak? Why is it that only Moses speaks? 
He complained to God. And in chapter 12 and verse 6, this is what God says. And God said, hear my words, speaking to Aaron and Mary, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision. I will speak with him in a dream. But this is not how I speak to Moses. He is faithful in my house, and with him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly, and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. you see why the Bible says that there has never risen another like the prophet Moses whom the Lord knew face to face whom the Lord spoke to mouth to mouth that is until he sent his son. For if Moses was the mouthpiece of God to the nation under Pharaoh, Christ has now become the mouthpiece of God to all the nations. All the nations caught in the bondage of sin. All the nations enslaved to their own fleshly desires. Any man or woman caught in the throes of sin. There is one prophet. There is one mouthpiece of God to whom you must listen. And that the Bible says is Christ. Before, you want to know what God said? You had to listen to Moses. But now, if you want to know what God says, you have to listen to Jesus. And not just me talking. That's what Jesus said. That's what God said. That's what God said. On the Mount of Transfiguration in Mark chapter 9, when Jesus is on the Mount with his disciples, James and John and Peter, all of a sudden, there appeared with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration who? Moses and Elijah. And suddenly, the Bible says, a voice from heaven, God the Father, speaks, and he says about Jesus, this is my beloved son. You listen to him. You know what the next verse says? Moses disappeared. Elijah disappeared. And there stood who? Jesus only. Jesus only. And next time somebody wants to argue with you about who we should be listening to, just take him there and says, the Bible says, Jesus only. 
Jesus only. Why? Because unlike Moses, Jesus did not just speak the word. Jesus is the word. He is the prophet that comes to embody the word. He is the word of God made flesh. He is the word of God incarnate. He is the word of God. He is truth. He is life. That's why God says, you listen to him. In Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, the writer of Hebrews says, At, in former times and in former ways, God has spoken through the prophets, including Moses. But now has in these last days spoken to us through his son. We listen to him. If you want to know what God said in Israel, you had to listen to Moses. If you want to know what God says today, you have to listen to Jesus. That's why it's important that we study Moses. Because Moses points us to Jesus. And as Moses was the prophet of the Old Testament people, so now Jesus is the prophet of all God's people. Moses wasn't just a prophet, beloved. He was also a priest. For Moses loved God's people. He loved them. And this, this, believe it or not, is the priestly ministry. This is the priestly ministry. The priestly ministry is a ministry of love. The priestly ministry is a ministry of compassion. For what the priest did was the priest prayed and the priest spoke to God on behalf of the people. The priest pleaded for God's mercy upon the people. And Moses prayed and Moses pleaded for Israel. This is what he was called to do. He was not only called, beloved, to speak to Pharaoh on behalf of God, but he was also called to speak to God on behalf of Israel. And he pleaded, oh my goodness, he pleaded. Over and over again, he pleaded for Israel. He stood in the gap because he loved the nation. What makes Moses so beloved in the scriptures? Well, it's not the miracles. It's not the commandments. What makes Moses so beloved is that Moses interceded for the nation. And he did that. For Israel's disobedience and, and their rebellion was ever before God. Even after they had been redeemed out of Egypt and, and God had brought them out with miraculous powers and, and wonders and had destroyed their enemies, it wasn't long before they were back in rebellion and disobedience and even engaging in prideful, idolatrous worship. You remember Exodus 32, that grand event of the, of the golden calf. And Aaron, Moses' brother, the, the priest who should have been leading the people into God, even got caught up in the false worship. 
and God had seen what had happened. And in Exodus 32, beginning in verse 30, the next day, the day after, the next day, Moses said to the people, you have sinned a great sin. And now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. And then what it says. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. Do you see his compassion? Do you see his praying? Do you see his pleading? Moses prayed to God and even offered himself in the place of the nation. And what does Jesus tell us about the nature of love? In John chapter 15 and verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. And here is Moses seeking to lay down his life for Israel, interceding for them, seeking to be a substitute, offering himself as an atonement for their sin. As a priest, he pleaded for Israel. And you will see this over and over again. But if Moses loved Israel enough to pray for them, consider this morning then, how much more does Christ love you that he pleads and prays for you? If Moses loved Israel enough to offer himself in their place. How much more does Christ love us? So much more, beloved. So much more. Because Moses could offer himself in the place of Israel, but in his heart of hearts, he knew that God would not receive that offering. But when Christ offers himself in our place, he is a sufficient offering that the Bible says the Father was pleased to bruise. I don't know how sincere Moses' offering really could have been, but I know Jesus's. And Jesus coming to the earth in order to be a sacrifice for us and to stand in our stead and to offer an atonement for our sins. He knew then that it was real. And that offering would be made. Because this is love. This is love. This is the compassion. This is the love that the high priest has for his people. This is the love that our great high priest has for us. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10, the Bible says, This is real love. 
Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That's love. That's the function of the priestly functions of Christ. In Romans chapter 8 and verse, in Romans chapter 5 and, and verse 8, the Bible says again, but God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the priestly office of Christ. This is what it means to be a priest. It is to love those whom you call to intercede for. God offered himself, and Moses offered himself as a sacrifice for the nation of Israel, and God said no. No. The one who sins will pay for their sins. Christ comes and offers a sacrifice for you. And God said, yes. The one who sinned will not have to pay for their sin. Because Christ will take those sins. To Moses, he said, no. You're a priest, Moses, but you're not priestly enough. To Christ, he said yes. And all God's people are redeemed. Moses, the prophet, because he listened to God's plan, Moses, the priest because he loved God's people. Moses the king because he led through God's power. Not in his own strength. Not in his own way. But he led according to the power and direction of God. Now you may have never thought of Moses or seen Moses in this light as a king. But I want you to think about it for a moment and just think about how many kingly qualities Moses had in his position as a leader of Israel. And I would suggest to you this, Moses, this morning that Moses was actually the first ruler of the nation of Israel. The very first ruler. And he did not have the title of judge like Gideon. Jephthah or Samson. He was not officially crowned like David or, Samuel or Saul or Solomon. But I would suggest to you that no one, no one was any more in charge of the nation like Moses. His power and authority outstretched David and Solomon. No one ranked with him in power. No one ranked with him in authority. Back to Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse 11. The Bible says there's none like him for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land. 
and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. No one, no one demonstrated more power. No one demonstrated more might. Nobody spoke with more authority than Moses. He's a prophet, yes, he was a miracle worker, yes, he was an emancipator, yes, he was even a priest, yes. But if you ask people who Moses was, they will tell you that Moses was the lawgiver. Moses is the one who told us how to live. Moses is the one who set before us the Ten Commandments, the laws for sacrifice and worship, the laws for marriage and divorce, the laws for living and dying. Moses lived and Moses stood over the nation of Israel like any king with all power and authority given to him by God. No one, no one, no one in all of Israel worked more mighty miracles than Moses. No one in all of Israel spoke more powerful words than Moses. And no one knew God more intimately than Moses. And with all that power, with all that authority, with all that intimacy with God, the Bible says, not the Bible says, we say, right? We say that power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. There was no one more powerful than Moses. No one had more authority. No one knew God more intimately. No one spoke words more powerfully. And yet the Bible says in Numbers chapter 12, in verse 3, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Like you said, you can talk or you can argue who's the greatest, who's the greatest this, who's the greatest that. You can argue who's the most humble, but the Bible says it was Moses. If anyone had reason to be lifted up, if there's anyone who had reason to think much of themselves, if there's anyone who had reason to walk around and look down on others, it would be Moses. But in this, Moses was like David, wasn't he? And that he was a king after God's own heart. He ruled like Jesus does. Christ is our king. And Jesus is a king like no other, full of power and glory and might and authority. You think Moses had power? Try Jesus. You think Moses spoke with authority? You listen to Jesus. 
You think Moses did mighty works and wonders? You watch Jesus. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 that Jesus himself spoke to his disciples and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You think Moses had power. You think Moses had authority. Jesus says, all authority and all power has been given unto him. And no one has more power, beloved. No one has more authority. There's no one like Jesus. No one worked more mighty miracles than Jesus did. No one spoke more truth than Jesus did. And no one at the same time had more compassion. And no one more had more love. Because no one was more humble. They say that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. The next time they say that, you say, apparently you haven't met Jesus. You haven't met the Lord. For he has all power. And the Bible tells us that this king came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. This king humbled himself even to the point of death. Even death on the cross. This king surrendered his power so that he might raise us up with him. And therefore, beloved, if Moses was worthy of following out of Egypt. Jesus is even more so. Even more so. Moses knew God as well as anybody ever could. Moses spoke for God more faithfully than anybody ever had. And that is until Jesus. And again, I say to you, if Israel looked to Moses to know what God says, then the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 and verse 2, you know what he tells us to do? Look to Jesus. You look to Jesus, for he is that prophet you look to Jesus because he is that priest. You look to Jesus because he is that king. And you can have your debates, guys. You can, when you leave out of here, you can start debating it. You know, who's the greatest basketball player? Who's the greatest golfer? Who's the greatest president? Who's the greatest musician? Who is the greatest la di da di da But there is no debate this morning about who is the greatest prophet. There is no debate this morning about who's the greatest priest, and there is no debate this morning about who's the greatest king. It's not Moses. It's Jesus. And if Moses was here, he'd say, y'all better listen to him. It is Jesus.
and he is worthy of all our lives, dedication, service, and worship. Jesus only, the greatest of all time. You listen and look to him. Let's pray.